Building Faith Podcast by Chris Reese Ministries is a podcast to bring you biblical solutions to life's tough challenges. For more tools, tips, and teachings, check out our community by going to chrisreese.com. That's K-R-I-S-R-E-E-C-E.com. Well, hey, my friend, welcome back to another edition of the Building Faith Podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you today. I'm your host, Chris Reese, and it is my mission, as always, to provide you with biblical solutions to life's tough challenges. Today, we are in episode 157, and we are answering a question from our community. And this viewer writes in, in regards to a video that we did uh, quite some time back. It was actually a three-part series on our God-given temperaments, and the video series is called Embracing Who God Made You to Be. And her question is this, which temperament is most compatible with my temperament? Now, I get this question often, especially from people that I counsel. So we spend some time uh, understanding what your unique temperament is. And if you're not familiar with temperament, it's kind of like personality, but way cooler and much further in depth. Temperament is basically your God-given nature. It's how God wired you. And each temperament is going to come with its unique set of strengths and weaknesses, a unique way of communicating, a unique way of giving and receiving love, all those wonderful things. And as people are learning about them, themselves and their temperament, they make the assumption that the relationship issues that they're having must be as a result of the temperament. And in some cases it can be, and in others it's not. So this question comes in often, which temperament is most compatible with my temperament? And I've got some good news for you. No temperament is compatible. Now, you may be saying to me, Chris, what? (laughs) How's that good news? How am I supposed to find somebody that I am most compatible with? The good news is that every relationship takes work. So let's dive a little bit deeper into this. And it's actually reminding me of when I was in the fitness business. And anytime somebody would come in for a consultation before they signed up for personal training, one of the questions that I'll be honest with you, I used to dread when they asked is how much weight can I expect to lose? And you have to understand that that question is so loaded with possibilities that it's, it's almost impossible for me to be able to answer that because a lot of it is going to depend on how much work you're willing to put in, how many other barriers may be getting in the way if you have underlying health issues, if uh, you have uh, other disorders that may be taking place. There are so many factors that go behind weight loss that it's not just a matter of, okay, you're going to sign up for this six-week program and you're going to lose X amount of weight. That's why so many of these diet programs don't work well because they make these promises and these claims that just simply aren't true. And they're very far-fetched and very few actually achieve those extreme results. And even if they do, it's not long-term. But I'm going to digress for a moment. So it a lot of it is going to depend on the work that somebody is willing to put in. So the same thing is true for our relationships. Just finding that quote unquote compatible person isn't going to guarantee results any more than this person signing up for a six week personal training package was going to guarantee them the results that they were looking for. 
So no one is compatible. Let, let's approach relationships just like that. With that attitude that no one is compatible, it is going to take work. My husband and I kind of joke, but not really joke. You know, we watch some of these um, wedding shows or these people getting married, and I love it. Don't get me wrong. I think a beautiful wedding is something to be cherished, but more time and effort and energy and money is put into the wedding than it is put into the marriage. So it's going to take some work. So how is this good news? Well, the good news is that we don't have to walk around in delusion and then blaming the other person for not being what we need them to be. I love the way, I think it was the author Gary Thomas puts it. He says, relationships weren't made, meant to make us happy. They were meant to make us holy. So if the relationship you're in is testing your holiness, then my friend, you are in the right place. We are not supposed to just be happy. And I want you to think of it this way. Two happy, comfortable people that are content with where they are and there's no disruptions, there's no challenging to anything that's going on, there's a high likelihood that they're kind of powerless for the kingdom of God. So what I want to do is just to take a few minutes today to dive in and talk about some of the strengths and weaknesses of each temperament. So you have five different temperaments, and then you have three categories in which temperaments break down, but we're not going to get into that today. The five different temperaments are the supine, the sanguine, the choleric or choleric, however you want to pronounce it, the melancholy, and the phlegmatic. So if we start with the supine, the supine is going to be a very loyal, tender, caring, uh, giving type of person. Uh, they are very sensitive. Um, they are extremely loyal. They're kind of slow paced. They like to work at their own place pace, but they are very diligent. One of the weaknesses of a supine is that they, ex they, they have difficulty expressing their needs. So they expect others to be able to read their mind, know what it is that they need, and then meet those needs. But then if those needs don't get met, then they sit in quiet resentment over them, those needs not getting met. You see the problem that we can run into there? So now it's, it's not just a matter of finding the right temperament to complement that. So now we take the supine and we're going to put that just aside for a moment because we're going to talk about how they would actually connect with the other temperaments. So now we have the sanguine. The sanguine is outgoing. They are uh, vivacious. They are the life of the party. If there is breath in their lungs, they will use it to talk. So the sanguine can actually bring life and sunshine to a situation. They are very encouraging, but on the flip side, they're the least disciplined of all the temperaments. Um, so they're going to struggle with structure and discipline and actually finishing projects. So now we have the choleric or the choleric, who is a natural born leader. They are fast at making decisions. Um, they are quick at getting things done. They're able to utilize people to their best abilities. However, in their weaknesses, cholerics do tend to be dominating bullies. They're very bossy. And instead of utilizing people, they now use people to their advantage. So now you have the melancholy. The melancholy is actually um, very serious and private by nature. They are 
what you would probably consider your loner, but I don't like to put that name on it because it's not like they don't like people. It's just that they need a lot of alone time to regenerate. So they prefer smaller, more intimate relationships than those bigger crowds. In their strengths, they are organized. They are loyal. They, (laughs) if you want something done, give it to a melancholy. Now, in their weaknesses, they can lean towards the negative. And if they hang out in the negative too long in their mind, they can actually begin to slip into a depressed mode. So they do tend to be very moody because their mood follows their thinking. And lastly is the phlegmatic. The phlegmatic is probably the most easygoing and laid back of all the temperaments. And they are friends to everyone. So they will likely not disagree with you. They do have good negotiation skills. They, they love to be able to mediate, but in their weakness, they are a bit lazy and they take the ostrich approach, meaning they'll stick their head in the sand and just hope the problems and the, the disagreements and the confrontations just go away. So as you can see, each temperament is first of all, God-given. So we all have our strengths and our weaknesses. There's no one temperament that's better than another. But now you have to take your temperament into consideration of whom you're in relationship with. So for example, if you you are a supine and you are in a relationship with a sanguine, a lot of your needs are likely getting met except for those areas of sensitivity where you you wanna feel like you are very special. Because to a sanguine, Uh, whatever's the best in the moment is the best. So now you're going to have issues with a sanguine. So if you move on over to the choleric, a a supine and a choleric can actually make a great team if they recognize each other's strengths and weaknesses and the choleric does not abuse the supine. You'll often find supines with cholerics because supines will look to have somebody in authority in that leadership type position. They want to be in relationship with that. But if the choleric is not healthy, now there's likely abuse that's taking place. If the supine is in relationship with a melancholy, they're both going to have difficulty expressing themselves. And if the supine is in relationship with the phlegmatic and the phlegmatic is operating in their strengths, it might be a good match. If they're operating in their weaknesses, the supine is going to end up extremely frustrated. So now if you're a sanguine and you're in relationship with a supine, you are likely frustrated because the supine is now having difficulty expressing themselves to you and you want all the attention. Sanguines are attention seekers. Sorry. If you are a sanguine and you're in relationship with another sanguine, there's going to be a lot of competition going on there and very little discipline in terms of getting things done. If you're a sanguine in relationship with a choleric, whoo, lot of head button going on. If you are a sanguine in relationship with a melancholy, you are likely criticizing the melancholy for not wanting to be outgoing and they're sticking the mud and, and they're not enjoying a good time and all they want to do is read a book. You're going to have some issues there. If you are a sanguine in relationship with a phlegmatic, again, if the phlegmatic is in their strengths, it's probably all good because remember the phlegmatic is like, yeah, whatever. But if they're in their weaknesses, you're going to be frustrated by their lack of motivation and their lack of initiative. Now, if you are a choleric in relationship with a supine and you're operating in your strengths, you're, you're likely very um, 
supported. So you're actually having a great connection there. If you're a, a choleric operating in your weaknesses, you are likely extremely frustrated with your supine's inability to make decisions and move forward. If you are a choleric in relationship with a sanguine, again, there could be some serious headbutting going on there. Or you two could be like a serious power team, but there's also likely not a lot of in-depth intimacy that's taking place. If you are a choleric in relationship with a melancholy, again, it can actually be a very powerful team if you are both respecting each other's strengths and weaknesses. If a choleric is in relationship with a phlegmatic, again, if the phlegmatic is in its strengths and it's just really easygoing and supportive, you're all good. If they're lazy and procrastinating, you are going to be highly frustrated. Now, if you are a melancholy and you're in relationship with a supine, that could actually work because you guys understand that um, you need some space, you need alone time to regenerate, but you also want to be able to come together and connect with each other. Yeah, supines and melancholies both desire intimacy in depth. However, both are going to have difficulty in being able to express that. So if you have both of you that are unable to express that need, then that need could be going unmet. Again, the melancholy in relationship with the sanguine, there could be some frustration taking place there. You could be upset because the sanguine is just out of control. They're irresponsible. They don't follow through on anything and all they ever want to do is socialize. That can get extremely frustrating for melancholy. If a melancholy is in relationship with a choleric, you could find, actually that could work if they're both operating in their strengths. If they're operating in their weaknesses, then the melancholy will likely get frustrated by the choleric's domineering attitude and they tend to socialize if it suits their purpose. So the melancholy is really looking for very um, personal, in-depth, intimate relationships. And if you are a melancholy in relationship with a phlegmatic, again, if they're operating in their strengths, it could be a blessing. If the phlegmatic is operating in their weaknesses, then you are thoroughly frustrated by how lazy and procrastinating and just disregarding they are to life. Like they don't have very many goals and melancholies are highly goal oriented. Now, Lastly, if you are a phlegmatic and you are in relationship with a supine, you may find yourself frustrated by the demands that the supine is putting on you that you may not be able to meet because it's just flat out exhausting. Remember, the supine expects you to read their mind and you're just more like, uh, live and let live. I don't want to have to figure you out, just tell me. And the supine doesn't want to have to tell you because then that means you don't love them. See that frustration going back and forth? If you're a phlegmatic in relationship with the sanguine, again, the sanguine, if they're operating in their weaknesses and they're constantly on the go and they're undisciplined, well, now you're going to have no structure and discipline within the relationship and the sanguine is likely going to exhaust you because the phlegmatic really just likes peace. Just give me peace. Now, if you're a phlegmatic in relationship with a choleric in their strengths, that could actually work very well, but in their weaknesses, the choleric can be extremely 
dominating and overbearing and demanding. And it would cause the phlegmatic to just want to curl up in the fetal position and avoid life. Now, if you're a phlegmatic in relationship with a melancholy and you're operating in your strengths, then it could actually be a very good match. But if you're operating in your weaknesses, then there's likely not much communication that's taking place there. And that could suffer greatly. And a phlegmatic in relationship with a phlegmatic, well, if you're both operating in your weaknesses, well, then it is highly likely that you've got an extremely messy house and no goals that are being accomplished. So that can get extremely frustrating. However, so I know today's broadcast was a little bit longer than usual. However, I get this question a lot, and I really just wanted to give you a high-level understanding of how much work it actually takes to be in relationships. So there is no perfect match to temperaments. It's not like, oh, if I can just find this temperament, then we'll all be good. Because temperament is really the foundation of how God wired you. Now we have our life experiences on top of that, which mold and shape our character. And then we have our personality, which is basically the mask that we want to portray to the rest of the world. So you put all of those variables together in one person, and you've got a complicated person. Now you put them in a relationship and the whole dynamic is just constantly moving and it's going to take work. So what do I recommend? If you're in a challenging relationship, but you both want this relationship to work, I would highly recommend marital counseling. And of course, submitting your marriage to Jesus and allowing his transforming work to take place. Well, my friend, I hope that you have enjoyed our time as much as I have. If so, would you please consider subscribing and leaving a rating on the podcast? I would greatly appreciate it. If you would like your question potentially answered on our Building Faith podcast, jump on over to our YouTube channel and leave your question in the comments section, and we will definitely read your question and potentially answer it live on one of our upcoming episodes. Well, my friend, that's all the time that we have for today. Until next time, remember... All things are possible with God. Thank you for listening to the Building Faith Podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more resources mentioned in this podcast, go to chrisreese.com. While you're there, help us keep the Building Faith Podcast on the air by becoming a monthly supporter or by making a one-time donation. Well, my friend, until next time, remember, all things are possible with God.